This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's time for a one-of-a-kind poker party. Poker Night in America is streaming live from Studio 52 in Las Vegas. Join us nightly at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as some of the biggest names in poker play in the ultimate house game. Watch on the Poker Night in America channel on YouTube and Twitch or go to PokerNight.com. Poker Night in America is back and ready to party. Hey everybody, welcome back to Betting Weekly for a UEFA Nations League edition. I'm your host, Harry Simeon. I'm delighted to be joined, first of all, by George. How are you, mate? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Um, obviously, getting stuck into these uh, Nations League fixtures. Obviously, good warm-up before the oddly timed World Cup. But uh, yeah, I'm all good. Uh, looking forward to discussing the games. Brilliant. It's good to have you as well. Also joining us, Alan Feely. Welcome. Uh, I think this is the first time me and you have worked together. So uh, good to meet you. How are you? Yeah, very good. Um, delighted to work with you guys in this. Um, like George, very much looking forward to discussing today's games, this weekend's games. Um, really looking forward to, you know, breaking down the European teams and also enjoying watching the South American teams and kind of just, you know, preparing for the World Cup in general because this is the last opportunity we're going to get until the actual thing begins in the middle of November and to kind of get a glimpse of what the teams are and where they're at. Like So, yeah, I think it's a very informative break. Um, and looking forward to breaking it down with you guys. Indeed, there is lots and lots to dig our teeth into. There's lots of analysis to be done. Uh, and there's lots of notes to be taken as well going into that World Cup, which, of course, is, I think, 58 days away now, which is not far uh, at all. Um, George, I'm going to come to you uh, for the first pick. Uh, you've you've obviously sent me the matches that you're looking at. And looking at the matches you've picked, this is probably the standout game, Netherlands against Belgium. Really, really interesting clash this between two very talented sides. What have you got for us on this one? Yeah, when you know, you're know previewing these games, I think, that, as you said, that's the one that stands out, isn't it? Kevin De Bruyne came out and said, I'm sick of playing Wales. Well, now he gets his wish and faces some more superior opposition uh, in the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, I think, as most people are, I am expecting some goals here. Um, you know, just looking at it, both teams have scored, uh, has landed, both teams have scored has landed in six of the last seven meetings between these two. They're usually very entertaining affairs. Um, but yeah, the Netherlands, they only require uh, a point against Belgium uh, on Sunday to top Group D and uh, progress to the UEFA Nations League finals. Um, but due to the head-to-head rules uh, being used in the Nations League, Belgium need to score four goals in Amsterdam, uh, obviously after they suffered that 4-1 loss um, to them in June. Um, and I just think it should lead to a pretty exciting match. You know, I, all the, the only sort of worry I have is, yes, it's a Nations League as a competition, but how seriously do the players maybe take it? Um, so, you know, yes, Belgium obviously need to come out firing. Um, it just it depends on the motivation. But nevertheless, I think these two, they're both full of star-studded players who have that elite mentality and, you know, they're not going to want to get beaten, are they? So I think it should be a fairly open and exciting match. Um, Louis van Gaal has had an excellent third spell um, in charge of the Netherlands so far. He's remaining unbeaten in his 14 games um, since he took over in August 2021. And 
Yeah, he's helped guide his team to 17 points from a possible 21 uh, in seven World Cup qualifiers. He just seems to know what to do with them. They're playing really well. Um, and with Belgium needing to go for a really big win in order to progress that next stage in the Nations League, I just think it's likely to be an end-to-end clash. And as I said, we've got so many fantastic players on show. I mentioned Kevin De Bruyne. I absolutely love him. I think he's fantastic. Even when he looks like he's not having a great game, he suddenly just turns it on. Um, and I just think all over the park, there's players that can hurt you. So for me, I think the obvious choice was was for goals. Um, and both teams scoring over two and a half goals uh, over double your money at plus 104. That price alone just made it appeal for me. I think anything over evens, and I have to get on that. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's the must watch um, if you want to watch some really entertaining football. And yeah, I just think it'll be a really good clash. So for me, my first pick uh, on this match for sure is both teams to score and over 2.5 goals. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I think the, the goals angle is certainly a strong one on this. And um, yeah, really, really looking forward to this game and can't wait uh, to see what it throws up. Um, Alan, let's come to you um, because uh, you've also got a pick in that same game as well. So um, I agree with George. I think it's going to be goals in this game. I think Netherlands are going to win. It's going to be over 2.5 goals. Um, like George was saying, you know, two very important footballing nations, with kind of a rich history of attacking kind of creative football. Um, both obviously rivals in the same region as well as that kind of thing. Um, Netherlands have a good record against Belgium. They won the last game 4-1. They haven't lost in 14 matches as well. They have some serious attacking talent, serious defensive talent as well. But I think, you know, if you're talking about whether the Nations League is important to these players, you have to kind of take into consideration where they're at in their, in their mindsets right now. For instance, you know, Virgil van Dijk is coming off of a very difficult start to the season with Liverpool. He's going to want to prove that he's still a top-class centre-back and I think even though we all know he is I think that this international break is an opportunity for him to show that he really is the kind of you know still completely on form if that makes sense and then similarly you have players in the other kind of maybe stage of the careers like Cody Gapko who's been really good for PSV Eindhoven this season he's kind of started this international break really well and given Memphis Depay is currently injured going into this game he's going to be the reference point of their attack so I think that, you know, the Netherlands are going to come out swinging. They're playing in Amsterdam in the Johan Cruyff Arena. Um, they're going to be very strong and very motivated. And then similarly, Belgium, you know, you have players like Kevin De Bruyne, as George mentioned, the world-class footballer who's never takes days off and he's going to be completely on his money um, come tomorrow evening in, in Amsterdam. No doubt about that. But then you have players like Michi Batshuayi and, you know, Eden Hazard, who are maybe at a different point of their careers in terms of trying to prove that they still have what it takes to kind of cut at this level. Similarlyly you've some interesting attacking talent like you know Yuri Telemans, Amadou Anana, um you know Axel Witz is a very experienced player who started the season quite well at Atletico Madrid too. So I just think all the ingredients are there for a really good game. I mean Louis van Gaal is a top class coach especially international level he knows what it takes. He comes up with very interesting sound bites. Roberto Martinez is a very talented coach too again well suited to international football. So I think, like George said, all the ingredients are there. Um, it's in the Amsterdam, late September, you know, some world-class footballers, two very experienced, good coaches, bit of a grudge match geographically. Um, both teams want to kind of, you know, send out a warning shot before the World Cup. So yeah, I'm, I think it's going to be a really entertaining game, a very, you know, high-quality game. But I think that Netherlands are going to win out and it's going to be a high-scoring one too. So that's my, that's my pick. Brilliant. Um, let's come back to George. Wales against Poland. Talk us through this one. Yeah, it's not one that screams entertainment, is it? But, <laughs> but no, there is a, some, an angle I do quite like on it. Um, you know, Wales, they've put group four, having just one point from their five matches. 
they need a win just to ensure they're not relegated to, to League B. Um, it looks like Gareth Bale may also feature from the start uh, against Poland. That remains to be seen. But yeah, Poland themselves, they failed to win in, in four. Uh, but a 2-1 win over Wales back in June means they're going to you know, retain their League A spot if they manage to avoid defeat here. Um, Robert Lewandowski's you know, he needs no introduction, does he? He's, he's a man in form. He scored eight times in six La Liga appearances since joining Barcelona in the summer. And he's always, he's just always a huge threat. Um, he's the main man. He's the go-to for Poland. But yeah, with that in mind, though, they both feature in the bottom two for, for goals conceded per game, with Wales conceding an average of two goals per match and Poland 2.4. So you know, at the back, there's just no hope. They're, they're awful. Uh, but at the back, it just seems to be both much prefer putting their focus into their attacking intent and just, I know it sounds obvious, it sounds like a Michael Owen moment, trying to outscore their opponents, if you like. But um, no, both teams to score has landed in, in six of Wales' last seven matches that have taken place on home turf. Um, and meanwhile, it's also landed in nine of Poland's last 10 away matches. So for me, it's just a very obvious pick. And I think it's for both teams to find a way of hitting the back of the net. I just fully expect both teams are much stronger going forward. I think that will be the case here. I think you'll see a lot of attacking intent but just both have a tendency to be a bit haphazard at the back and they do leave spaces, they do leave gaps and do have the occasion, occasional mishap. So for me, I just think neither defence can be trusted. So for, yeah, both teams to score is just the obvious play. And that's at minus 106, which I didn't think was a too bad a price. I'm more than happy with that uh, to see both teams score between Wales and Poland. I think as well, so I think that um, Lewandowski is in the De Bruyne category of players who yeah. are just elite you know and he's going to want to play in every game every minute of every game and score in every game so i think that for first goal scorer could be a good bet because he's going to want to you know kind of not inflate his stat padding but like you know definitely kind of you know make sure that he's in the goals when he goes into qatar in terms of his you know polish record and stuff like that so i back him to be first goal scorer personally brilliant um let's come back to you alan uh spain against portugal another really intriguing encounter on paper what are your thoughts on this one? This is my the game I'm most looking forward to this this uh, this international break. Um, again, like Netherlands Belgium, it's a geographical rivalry. Obviously, they share the same peninsula. Um, their neighbours, that kind of thing. This game is in Braga. I was at the reverse fixture in Seville back in June, I think it was, and that was a one-one game, very tight. Um, not much between either sides, and I think it's going to be similar this time around. I think that Spain are going to win, but it's going to be under. So I think that it's going to be a very hard-fought game. Um, again, like I said, not much between the two sides, um, but I do think that Spain have the edge. Um, obviously, the top of Group uh, Group Two, League A Group Two, um, they've not lost in their last eight matches. Um, in Luis Enrique, they have who I believe is the best coach in international football. Um, they've some players like you know Gavi and Pedri who are just in excellent form in Barcelona right now, um, and they're coming up against the Portuguese midfield. That's a bit more aged and not as fluid maybe as the Spanish equivalent, you could say. Um, similarly, you know, I think Cristiano Ronaldo hasn't begun the season very well at Manchester United for obvious reasons. Um, he's not in the goals, you could say. He doesn't have the same attacking threat that he once did. I mean, Rafael Leo is a very good form at Milan. He's a top-class footballer as well. But I just think that if you look at Spain, the options they have in the final third, especially with, you know, Borja Iglesias coming in for his international debut. He's in very good form with Real Betis. I think they have too much of them, but I don't think they have the attacking talent to overwhelm them and, you know, put two or three past them. So I'm going to back Spain to win um, in quite a tight and narrow fashion. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Let's come back to you, George. Uh, Croatia against Austria. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Um, Croatia moved into top spot by beating Denmark 2-1 on Thursday night. Um, but that match saw them concede for the first time uh, in three matches. You know, the, the defence has been transformed. It really is something that can be depended upon. Um, even the boss, uh, Dalic, said, you know, he was thrilled with them and said, we've really got five or six great stoppers. Um, and that back line is actually one that's helped make Croatia, for me, one of the most formidable teams um, in Europe over the last year. Uh, you know, only suffered one defeat in 14 matches since being knocked out of Euro 2020, winning nine, drawing four. Um, and that will fuel their hopes of a, a first ever Nations League finals appearance. And yeah, Austria failed to win any of their last four matches, uh, which includes three losses, which will be slightly alarming for them. But they are obviously uh, on home soil here. Um, but just to make things a little bit worse for them, David Alaba, Andy Weiman and Marco Arnautovic uh, are all allegedly out for the hosts. Um, but then saying that, strangely, you know, David Alaba is arguably, if not the best player uh, for Austria. But they've not been beaten in the last five games uh, that Alaba has missed, uh, which includes four wins. So they, don't, they tend to fare OK when he's not available to them. Um, their only Nations League win was a, a 3-0 win over Croatia in the reverse fixture. But I just think, I think this Croatia side, um, they're a different prospect to the one that Austria faced then. I think they've got that bit between their teeth. There's a, there's a feel-good factor around them um, at the moment. <clears throat> they, and they responded well to that defeat, picking up 10 points from the last 12 available. Uh, and victory would guarantee top spot. Um, the draw might be enough should Denmark slip up against France. But I just think where Austria are at with a few of the absentees that I've mentioned, uh, and the form that Croatia are in, I think Croatia are in a really good spot to go to Austria and claim a victory here. Um, and I, I mentioned earlier to you they were plus one three eight, but you seem to think they've they've gone up, so yeah, they've drifted slightly to plus one fifty. And for me, if they drifted to plus one fifty, then I'm going in again. I think Croatia, I, they're the value pick for me here. They're the standout pick, uh, and I definitely want to be on them to to claim victory away at Austria. Yeah, that's correct. The Bet Rivers website has been updated, and it is plus one fifty. Uh, for Croatia to win that one now. So, yeah, so your advice is go in again because that price is better than you initially uh, came across. Well, exactly. Well, what Nigel, what's it Nigel Seedy says? Don't be a moron, put more on something like that. Something like that. <laughs> so if that price is drifted, I really like that pick. And, you know, the reasoning is all there for me. And I just think it's all set up for Croatia to, to leave Austria with those three points. Um, so, yeah, great price. Uh, Alan, you didn't pick that game yourself, but at that price, plus 150, are you tempted? Yeah, definitely. I think that Croatia are a team I always enjoy watching international football because they have, you know, as George mentioned, that bit of tenacity, that bit of grit. Like, you know, the characters like Luka Modric who just are, you know, complete guys who know what to win, basically, you know. So for that reason, especially given that David Alba is missing for Austria, Marco Anardovic is possibly missing too. We started the season very well with, um, with Genoa and Syria. I would fancy uh, Croatia to get the job done for sure because um, I think that their experience in international competition is such that even if they don't have a completely firing at all cylinders team, they can still do damage and go deep in international tournaments, you know, as they've shown so many times in the past. So, yeah, I definitely back Croatia, especially at that price. Fantastic. Uh, let's stick with you, Alan, for your uh, final pick, which involves uh, Ireland, who take on Armenia. Talk to us about this one. It's definitely not as sexy as Spain, Portugal, or Netherlands, Belgium, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, it's interesting in its own right. The Irish project is still nascent, you could say. Stephen Kenny has taken over and is doing inter interesting things there in terms of trying to change the way they're playing. And they are finally beginning to see a bit of, you know, uh, fruit from that after quite a few lean months. Um, they've not made it to the World Cup, obviously, but I think that Ireland's 
state is such that this could be viewed as a very important game. So we play at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. There'll be a big crowd there, and they're going to want to see a, a good performance and, most importantly, a good result against the Armenia side that really should be beaten, even though they beat Ireland 1-0 in the reverse fixture earlier in the Nations League campaign. Um, you know, Armenia are third in Group 1, and they've lost four out of five which isn't great form. Although the one game they didn't lose was against Ireland and they beat them, which is quite an embarrassing result for Ireland. But, you know, I think that Stephen Kenny is doing a good job there. There are some interesting young players being developed and coming through. I think that Troy Parrott could be very important in this game. He's not started the season very well. He's played 10 games for Preston North End in the championship. He's failed to score, which as a centre forward isn't what you want to hear really. But I think that, you know, he's of a character and he's of a quality that, if put in the right positions against Armenia and Ireland dominating the game, chances will open up and he will have chances to score. And I think that he could deliver because I think we know how dedicated and impressive he is in terms of preparing himself for these games. I think that, you know, playing in front of the Aviva Stadium, full Aviva Stadium, hopefully, it'll be something that will be, you know, conducive to him and the attack in general performing quite well. So I'm going to back Ireland to win, but I think it'll be unders. I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Ireland final goals... Quite difficult to come by generally, especially this team. Um, they did obviously beat Scotland 3-0 a couple of um, months ago, but I think if they are to win against Armenia, and I think they will, it's going to be quite a narrow game. So I'm going to go Ireland to win and it'll be unders. Brilliant. And um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting because as you say, Ireland are going through a bit of a transitional period looking to kind of move to a new new style of play. Are you confident at least that they're moving in the right direction? I know that there's going to be some pain as you go through that transitional process, but do you take sort of hope from it? Have you got faith in the process and that Ireland are going to get to a point where they're more competitive again? Well, it's very difficult because at the end of the day, they don't have players with the requisite quality. So, you know, 20 years ago when they nearly made it to the World Cup in 2020 and, you know, they were kind of always in the conversation. They had players who were playing in the Premier League week in, week out, whereas now they have very few. Um, Nathan Collins, obviously, at Wolves. You know, you've Kevin Bazunu at Manchester City. You know, Quiven Kelleher at Liverpool too. There are players there of that quality. You know, Seamus Coleman as well, of course. He's a stalwart, even though he's not playing for Everton right now. They do have players of that quality, but they're few and far between. And they're either too old or too young to make a proper difference. And the majority of the team is championship quality, to be honest with you. So, or even lower. So, it's difficult because the players aren't there. But I do believe that, you know, the, the changes Stephen Kenny is making in terms of how to construct the team and how to you know build the style and all that kind of thing is positive because it's not relying purely on you know route one football that had been the case under maybe Giovanni Trapattoni and Martin O'Neill. It is looking for a more attractive style. And I think that we've seen across European football in recent times, whether it's Brighton or you know um, other teams of that style, like you know the Danish national team or Brentford or other clubs like that who don't have the same resources or the same quality of players. But if they do have a proper system in place, then they can pay dividends, you know? So I think that it's the best option, basically. It's going to be a slow process, but they are moving in the right direction for sure. Yeah, and that's all you can ask at this moment in time, uh, for sure. Uh, guys, uh, thank you so much. Anything to add from either of you? No, I think that's just about covered it. Obviously, looking forward to to these games but um yeah make sure you're watching that netherlands belgium games it should be a cracker yeah i yeah. think also england germany will be very interesting um obviously we're recording on saturday morning they both lost last night england to italy in at san zero and hungary beat germany so they will be going into it quite wounded um the pressure seems to be ramping on gareth southgate so yeah 
a brave man to call that game, but it's going to be very, very interesting for sure. Gareth Southgate has incurred the wrath of a lot of the English public after yeah. uh, another abject performance. But I think more frustratingly for people than than the performance was him coming out and saying that the performance was a step in the right direction. I, I, I get that he's trying to keep the confidence levels high, but you know, I feel like the credit in the bank that he did have from you know going on and, and getting to the semi-final of the World Cup and then the final of the Euros is very much disappearing at a really rapid rate. And um, go on, George. Yeah, I think I think for me it's more of a case of you know when he first came in, he was like, I'm going to give players a chance based on their form. If they're playing, if they're playing well, they get a chance here. But you know, if you look at our back line, we've got Luke Shaw. He's not really been involved that much with Man United. Um, to just get him back to full fitness. We've got Harry Maguire, who's lost every single game he started. You know this season, and he's probably you know been kept out of the limelight somewhat. Eric Dyer was probably, I'd say, one of the best days performing well for Spurs this season. And Kyle Walker's not quite reached the levels that he has in previous years. You know the whole back line was a bit, a bit shaky. I don't think the double pivot works with Bellingham and Rice. You know there was just so many things, like so many elements there that it's quite obvious do not work. But Gareth Southgate seems to be sticking with the things that he said he wasn't going to do when he first came in. It just seems to be all over the shop. And when you've got a World Cup just around the corner. Especially coming off the back of what we, you know, what we did at the Euros when we made it to the final, you know, there's some expectation there. And right now we're just falling flat, and it looks like, from what we've seen so far, I think we're more concerned about the fact that it's just going to be another abject display from England, uh, you know, a tournament, isn't it? So, yeah, I think there's a lot that needs to change. But you know, it could all be wrong. It could all be a case of like England do start slowing, and when they actually get to the tournament, they sort of kick on and somehow start doing okay. But it just seems to be a bit worrying at the moment, especially with the lack of chances we're actually creating. I think also, go on, mate. Go ahead. You know, Fikayo Tomori plays for Milan. It's his stadium, the San Siro. He's one of the best performers in Serie A this year. His passing metrics and everything is off the charts. I don't understand why he didn't start him playing against players he knows very well in the Italian league. It just doesn't make sense to me. You know? Exactly. Yeah, and and also you know like taking Ivan Tony, you know you've called him up because you think well, you'd assume that he thinks he can offer something to the squad. You're not going to get another opportunity to look at him. So to leave him out of the squad completely was strange. You know what you're going to get from Harry Kane. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to assess that anymore. He's a fantastic player. We all know that. There was a, yeah, there's a few decisions. You know, Bukayo Saka at left wing back yeah. from an Arsenal fan is, is completely bonkers. He's been playing as a right winger for the last two years and done it mm. brilliantly. And now you're moving him to wing back. There's so many question marks, but equally... <laughs> With just fifty odd days to go until the tournament, you can't really make a change now, can you? Yeah, and that's kind of the problem as well. So, I think this is probably going to be Southgate's uh, farewell tour. Yeah, I think that's my my concern with him. I just don't think he knows how to get the where to put players to get the best out of them. It's the same with yeah. you know Phil Foden. He's been brilliant for Manchester City this season, but he doesn't utilise him in his best position, even tactically as well. He's having to drop deep to kind of help out, and that's not where he flourishes. Um, as you've already mentioned with Bukayo Saka. There's just so many little variables that when all those variables are combined to create a massive problem. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the big concern. I'm interested too, just to see as a final note, will any European nation send out a warning shot like Brazil and Argentina did yesterday? Because Brazil, you know, they won 3-0 against Ghana and Paris. I know it's, you know, Ghana, it's not exactly a top tier nation, but the manner of their performance, I don't know if you saw it, but it was absolutely incredible. I mean, Richardson scored a brace, Neymar, Vinicius Jr., Hafinha, they're all intermingling with devastating fluidity, you know, Lucas Paqueta as well. It's a very, very strong team, the Celestial, they're completely united. And then also Argentina beat Japan 3-0 in Canada, I think it was. And, you know, Lionel Messi scored a brace and it was absolutely incredible as well. 
um, not just the performance because they played very well and they tore Japan apart, but also and there was a moment where uh, Messi was kind of hit from behind and, and Rodrigo de Paul and uh, Lisandro Martinez and all the other Argentinian players sprinted to the guy who did it and their proper united unit, you know. So based on what I've seen so far this international break, they're the two clear favourites to win the World Cup for me because they have not just, you know, the quality and the coaches and the experience, you know, having won international titles in the recent past, but they also have a real team spirit. You know, we saw with Gabriel Jesus um, dancing for Vinicius Jr., even though he's not even in the squad. Last weekend against Brentford, we saw it with the Argentinian players defending Messi. So my interest in this final few days of the international break is whether any European nation, whether it's Netherlands, whether it's England, whether it's Spain, whether it's Portugal, whether it's Germany, whether it's France, can come up with a performance that really kind of, you know, sends out a warning shot in the manner that Argentina and Brazil already have. Yeah, absolutely. Really looking forward to what the next few days holds. And uh, and I'm sure we'll be in a position to uh, refine perhaps our World Cup predictions off the back of it. Uh, guys, thank you so, so much. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, don't forget, if you're watching this on the Bet Rivers YouTube channel, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you leave a like on the video. And any thoughts, leave them in the comments section below. If you're listening via the audio platforms, please do subscribe and leave us a review too. We'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care. Keep cashing those tickets. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Extra Time on the Bet Rivers Network.